Good morning, Oasis Church. How are you? Are you good? Come on, I'm pumped this morning. How good was worship? So good. Come on, God is in the house this morning and I believe that we are right on time here this morning. I believe God's here this morning and he's got an agenda. I like it when he has an agenda and we don't. But I feel like he has an agenda this morning and totally confirmed because the word I have today, Christine just literally came up and said, I feel like God wants to do this, this and this today. And I said, well, that's awesome because that's my message. So we're right on time. We're right on time. So we are in the second week of our Peter series. Who in the room loves Peter? Anyone love Peter? Anyone not know who Peter is? Anyway, Peter was one of the disciples and I love Peter because he kind of reminds me of me in many ways. He's like loud and audacious and willing to have a go at anything um, and often fails or often puts his foot in his mouth and I just think, oh Peter, you give me great hope. And actually he should give us all great hope because what was ordinary became extraordinary in the hands of God. So this morning, last week we, we talked about, <laughs> Jesus take the wheel already. Last week we had an amazing story about Peter and this morning we've got another amazing story about Peter. This could be one of my favourite stories in the Bible. There's so much in it and so much to take away. So I'm going to read it through once with you. And then we're going to pull it apart this morning. We're going to dissect it and we're going to see what the Word says to us this morning as we read it. Are you ready? Okay, can read along with me. We're going to Matthew 14. Oh, one thing I want to say is that this story actually appears in three of the Gospels. It appears in Matthew, Mark and John, not Luke. And they're all similar, but Matthew's actually the only one that pulls out Peter walking on the water. But there are a couple of really important verses in Mark, and I've just slotted them in exactly where they go in the order of the story, and you'll see it up there. I just want to clarify that. But let's go. Let's read. We're going to start Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Are you with me? Are you taking notes this morning? Because I know God wants to speak to you. Okay, here we go. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there all alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Tell the person next to you, he was walking on the lake. Now here, I just interjected Mark 6.48. This is an interesting scripture. He says, he was about to pass by them. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is 
do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out and caught him and said, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And slotted in here, Mark 51, right at this moment, they were completely amazed for they had not understood about their loaves and their hearts were hardened. We'll get to that. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and when the men of that place recognised Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. Can I hear an amen? Okay, let's pray. Close your eyes. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Lord, I wonder if you'd speak to each of us this morning. I wonder if you'd come to us with a personal message this morning. Jesus, show us right now who we are in this story. Are we the disciples? Did we get in the boat or did we stay on the shore? Are we in the boat and we're content to stay in the boat? Or are we Peter and we're walking on the water? Or are we trying to walk on the water and we're drowning? <coughs> Come and speak to us this morning, Holy Spirit. Reveal to us what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Has anybody ever been <coughs> on a boat in the middle of the ocean or the river and uh, been in trouble before? Has anyone, yep, a couple of people. Anyone else? Anyone else? A few people. I have been on a boat a number of times in trouble with my father who's not here this morning. I wish he was here. I can't believe he's not. It would have been great to tell this story with him. But when we were younger, um, my dad would wake us up at 5 a.m. before school, when I was in high school, and he would take us out to pull the cray pots with him because he couldn't go out on his own and he'd need a decky. So seeing as my brother and I were the oldest, Elise was eight years younger than me. I know it's hard to believe. We, we look the same age. Um... <laughs> he would get us out and we would go. Anyway, this one morning, we, we just bought a new boat, I think, and um, we were gunning it out toward Garden Island in, out of the Coburn Sound. And all of a sudden, our boat started taking on water. Actually, it was coming up from underneath the boat. And it was coming in so fast 
that dad was like, oh my gosh, we're going to gun it. We're just going to gun it. We're going to get to Garden Island. We're going to get to shore and we're going to be safe. And he throws me a bucket and he's like, start failing, start failing. So we're gunning it and the water is just rushing in. Like there's foam underneath the floor and the foam's up. My, I'm, I've got water up to my knees and I start bailing. And I must have been a Christian at this point because I start praying in tongues. Jesus, you've got a plan for my life. I'm not going to die here in the middle of the Coburn Sound and I'm bailing. Next thing you know, I was so enthusiastic about bailing. I <laughs> let go of the bucket. I went flying out of the boat and I said, Dad, I've lost the bucket. And he just looks back at me and he's dying, dying. Anyway, we got to shore just as like the boat was almost going under. Like really, it was so bad. And we pulled up and we found out later that the guy who'd had the boat installed this automatic bilge pump and the lid wasn't on it. So the faster you go, the more water rushes into the boat. So that was just one story of many that I have of my dad out in the Coburn Sound rushing to Garden Island. But really, this is where we find the disciples in this story. On a boat, taking on water and trying to make it to shore safely when they have this encounter with Jesus. The context of this story, it's plonked right in the middle of some really important moments. And one of the really important moments that happened just before this was that Jesus had lost his cousin to execution. Jesus was actually in a state of grief when we find him at this moment. John the Baptist, who'd laid down his life for Jesus, was beheaded by King Herod for calling him out on his sin. So that's just happened And Jesus probably went to a remote place to pray and to process and to get some time on his own just to try and figure out what's just happened. How do I deal with this? How do I put this news into my brain and my body? What does it mean for me? And the Bible says that the crowd met him there. He just couldn't get away. They followed him. But he doesn't send them away. He doesn't scold them or tell them off for following him in his dark moment, he actually feeds them. And this is where the story is that we find that Jesus fed the multitudes with five loaves and two fish. It says that there were 5,000 men, but then there were also women and children. So there was, you know, perhaps at least 10,000 people who were fed from five loaves and two fish. And Jesus whether he's in a good space, whether he's in a hard space, he's always ready to feed his people. He did not let his mood dictate his mission. I wish that we could just pull up a chair here and talk a little bit about our mood affecting our mission. I digress, we push on. I just want us to work through this passage this morning. I've got no main five points. I just want to tell you the story. And I just want to pull out the lessons from each of the verses for us to just see where we sit in this story. What is our expression in this story? So let's go deeper. So I'm going to take you back to verse 22 and we're just going to work through it a little bit. So we, s- we start the story here where immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of them, go ahead of him. And he dismissed the crowd. And then Jesus goes up 
to the mountainside to pray and he was there alone. And he sees, he knows that the boat is already a considerable distance from the land and it's been buffeted by the waves and the wind was against it. The first thing I want you to notice this morning is that Jesus sent the disciples into the storm. The reason the disciples were in the middle of a storm was because Jesus sent them there and they were being obedient. Jesus sent the disciples out into a lake on a boat, no storm yet, because they were following his instructions. I wonder if Jesus told you to get in a boat and there was a storm coming, would you do it? I wonder if he sent them out before the storm is because if they knew there was a storm coming, they would have never got in the boat in the first place and ended up in the middle of a lake with the wind and the waves buffeting against them. Sometimes in our lives we end up in a storm because we've been following Jesus. And we start to ask the questions when we find ourselves in the middle of the lake with the waves and the wind buffeting against us, did I hear right? Did Jesus really tell me to get in a boat and head into the middle of a storm? You know, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin who just died, he publicly proclaimed, he prophesied three times that Jesus was the Messiah. Yet when life became challenging for him, when his life was on the line, he said to his disciples, can you go back and ask Jesus if he really is the Messiah? Because I'm here in prison and my life's on the line and I don't know anymore if what I heard was correct. Maybe we have a faulty theology this morning. Maybe we've heard it said when things don't work out well for you, when there's lots going on, maybe it's because you've been rebellious or disobedient or maybe you've got sin in your life and that's why the tide's turned against you. But that's not true in this story. Or maybe you've got a theology that says, okay, now that I'm a Christian and now that Jesus is my, my Lord, my Saviour, it's smooth sailing for me. I'm not going to encounter any storms because I'm a Christian now and I've got Jesus. No, that's faulty theology because they were in a storm because Jesus sent them there. The interesting thing about Jesus is that he loves to put his disciples on a boat in the middle of a storm. Just a few chapters earlier, he did the same thing. There were the disciples on the boat. There was a huge storm. They were about to drown. Jesus is asleep on the boat. And he stands up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. What is it about the water? What is it about the vulnerability, the unpredictability, the lack of control that Jesus likes to take us to to teach us something? He wants to teach us something in the middle of the storm. Probably because he has our attention then. We are at his mercy then when the ground is shaking beneath our feet. Hey, if he's got you on a boat this morning, 
in the middle of a storm, if you are in a season that is unpredictable, you feel vulnerable, you're not in control, maybe you're unstable, being rocked around in that boat, you better believe that Jesus has got you there for a reason. So I want to say this, stop straining and start praying. Because when the disciples were straining, Jesus was on the mountain praying. The disciples were in the boat consulting the weather while Jesus was up on the mountainside consulting his father. Why is it, church, Christians, that we have the ability to consult God in the midst of our storm, but we choose not to? We choose to strain against the wind and the waves in the middle of the storm when we could be consulting our Heavenly Father instead of consulting our conditions. God's not with me. He's left me. I'm all here on this boat, all on my own, and I'm blaming everybody else for the reason I'm there on the boat in the middle of a storm. I'm going to die out here. I've got no money got no job, marriage is on the rocks, I'm so busy, I've got teenagers. <laughs> Just had to chuck that in there. <sighs> I've got the grey, I haven't got the grades I need, I'm, I'm, I'm going through this crisis right now, but I'm so inadequate, I'm so full of shame, I'm so down and out that I don't feel like I have the ability to even call out to Jesus. Listen, if that's you, if you're in the storm right now, that response is wrong. We need to stop fighting against the wind and the waves and we need to start looking for Jesus because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Say to the person next to you, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus shows up in every single storm of our lives. He shows up. Let's go on to verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. He was walking on the lake, as he does. He was about to pass them by. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus says to them, Take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. I want you to see this, is that Jesus shows up in every storm, but sometimes we don't recognize God in the storm because we're looking for a rescuer when he wants to show us his glory and his power and his might. Jesus shows up walking on the water he created. He's got dominion over the wind and the waves. The interesting thing is is that both the disciples and Jesus were moving in the same direction. Yet the wind was against the disciples and Jesus managed to catch up to them walking on the water. They were headed in the same direction. He has authority over the weather. But then it says, but he he meant to pass them by. And I've always wondered, why did Jesus mean to pass them by. Why did he not stop when clearly he saw them struggling? Water over the bow. Ah! They 
you know, maybe they were doing that, maybe they weren't. <laughs> I would have been doing that. Ooh, throw the bucket out of the side. Ah! <laughs> but why? Why did he not stop at that moment? And it's interesting because that word passed by, he passed them by, is exactly the same word that's used in the book of Exodus. When Moses asked to see God's glory and God put Moses in the cleft of the rock and then it says he passed him by. And as he passed him by, he revealed to Moses who he was. I am. I am glorious. I am powerful. I am mighty. I am strong. I am able to carry you through any storm of your life. I am. I am. And so in this moment, Jesus is also trying to show them who he is. He's trying to reveal himself to them. And he says this, don't be afraid, it's me. And he uses this statement, imiago, imiago, Hebrew statement, which translated is, I am. I am. He was trying to show them who he was. I am all-powerful. I am majestic. I am mighty. I'm glorious. I am overcoming everything that's overcoming you in the middle of the storm right now. You know, sometimes we look for rescuer Jesus. Where's rescuer Jesus? Send that guy. Because we don't like discomfort. We don't like the storms. We don't like the rocky boat in the middle of the wind and the waves feeling vulnerable and not in control and ooh, unpredictable. We don't like it. We're like, rescue it, Jesus. Come save me. But actually, Jesus wanted to show them that he was something else. He wanted to show them that I am the great I am and you can get through anything with me by your side. Sometimes, He's not rescuing us out of storms. Sometimes he's empowering us to walk through our storms. Can I hear an amen this morning? But the disciples call out in fear when they see Jesus. Do you know this is the first mention of fear in this whole story? They're not used to seeing Jesus as I am. They were used to seeing him as rescuer Jesus, the lamb and not the lion. And I want to tell you, if you're always looking for the lamb, rescuer, saving Jesus, you'll miss him when he comes as lion and wants to roar in the battle on your behalf. He is the lion and the lamb. Come on, that was good. I need to hear some noise from you this morning. That was real good. It's not good for us to always be rescued. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, he's still not sure. Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. Then Peter got out of the boat and climbed down. He walked on the water. He walked on the water and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind and the waves, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. I pray that prayer a lot. Save me. I'm always looking for rescue of Jesus. 
But immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? I feel like Jesus said that with a smile on his face. Peter's a fisherman. He knows the lake really, really well, inside out. He was on it every day. It was his livelihood. He's, he knows how to deal with the waves. He's been in them all his life. It's like my dad. He knew how to deal with the waves. One day we were out at Rottnest and we're cruising through Transit Bay, which is where all the surfers go to surf. And all of a sudden we were just cruising along. It was Father's Day. Do you remember, Mum? And this freak wave, freak wave, came from nowhere, massive, and we had kids on board, and the whole boat went, whoo, whoo, whoo. It was really scary. We were like, wow, blowing all over the boat. But my dad, he, he grew up on the water, and he knew how to navigate the waves. He turned the boat instantly to the right side so that we would carry. It's like, and this is like Peter. Peter knew the wind and the waves. He knew how to angle his boat when he was going through Coburn Sound in a raging sou'wester. He knew what to do, but it never crossed Peter's mind to get out of the boat and to walk on the water. Our faith has no boundaries. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. May I walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Our faith is not meant to have limitations. Our faith is not meant to have boundaries. We are called to make the impossible possible. Hello? Are you with me this morning? We're called to make the impossible possible. There was never meant to be limitations on faith. Peter only saw to do it because Jesus had done it. The interesting thing about this situation was that Jesus only had the power to walk on the water because very, just right before this, he was up on the mountainside praying. Jesus was able to do public miracles because of his private prayer life. And we can only do the impossible when we are having a private prayer life when we are having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Peter, he calls out, If it's you, Lord, tell me to come. Probably really loud because there were wind and waves. And listen, our response in every storm should be this. Jesus, tell me to come. Jesus, tell me to come. Jesus, I need to hear you. Jesus, I need to have faith in you. Jesus, I need you to restore my vision right now. Jesus, I need my eyes upon you. Jesus, I need to hear your word for my life in this situation that I'm currently in. I need you, Jesus, to tell me. Jesus, I need you to empower me to do the impossible because the wind and the waves are so big and loud right now. Jesus, tell me to come. Tell me to come, Jesus. Storms are literally designed by God to make you come to Jesus. If there were no storms in our lives, would we ever? Would we ever cry out in desperation? Would we ever call out to Jesus and say, tell me to come?
Here's a question. Would have Peter ever walked on the water if Jesus hadn't have said come? Some of us never actually hear Jesus say come is because we never give him the opportunity to speak to us in the middle of our storm. If we don't have a prayer life and we're not connected to God, then we never get his perspective in the most vulnerable moments of our life. What about the other 11 disciples? Let's talk about them for a minute because they never got out of the boat. They were very comfortable in the boat. It's interesting. When you read this passage and you read some of the theologians' commentary around it, they, there are parallels between the boat and the church. So it's almost like this is a boat, but right now Jesus is speaking to the church. And in the church, we find 12 and only one gets out. Um, and I wonder about them, you know, why was it only one that said, Jesus, tell me to come? Only one of them. And I wonder if their lives are marked by striving because perhaps their voices are silent. They're not praying. They're not calling out to God in the middle of a storm. The disciples were in an unstable boat, fighting against the wind and the waves, and yet when there was an opportunity to overcome the weather, get out of the boat and be with Jesus, they decided it was better to stay in their wind-battered, wave-buffeted boat that's going down. Why would you do that? Why would you stay in a boat that's going down? How about you? Maybe you're in the boat. Wind, waves. You're not sure you want to get out. In a storm. Nope. Thank you. I'm happy here in my boat. I'm happy here with the status quo, just doing my thing. I'm happy in the boat. I've got nice people around me. They're caring for me. If I'm sick, they'll make me a meal. I'm good. Oh, Jesus is just off there. I can see him and that's good enough for me. I can just, I can't touch him, but I can see him. But I'm in the boat and I've got nice people and I'm kind of settling for the club thing and doing life with the people alongside of me. And I'm not really reaching out to Jesus. I'm happy with him right where he is. Don't you come any closer and I'm not coming to you. Are you in the boat? Maybe it's the fear of change. I don't want to get out of the boat. I'm too afraid of what that might mean for me. Maybe you've lost your sense of belief to believe in anything greater than the stinking shit that you're in. Maybe you're like, this is it for me. This is as good as it gets. Maybe you've just got comfortable in chaos and in drama. Maybe your prayer life sunk. Because once upon a time, you believed God would rescue you out of a situation that you found yourself in and he didn't come the way you thought he might come. And now you struggle to pray and believe for anything. I'm staying in the boat. Maybe you want to get out of the boat. But the Peter always gets out before you and you never get a go. 
Maybe you're comparing yourself to Peter's. Oh no, they're out of the boat. They're doing a really good job. I don't think I could, I don't think I could do what he does. So I'm just going to stay here and not have a go. Maybe you, you're actually just not sure how to get out of the boat. You're just a bit confused. It's been so long since you got out, you don't remember how. How's your prayer life? Really? How's your prayer life? How's your relationship with Jesus? You know what I think a healthy prayer life looks like? When you have the ability to walk on waves in the midst of your storm. At some point in this little interaction, Peter, he stops looking at Jesus and he starts looking at the weather, the wind and the waves. And here's an important lesson about faith. It needs focus. Our faith in Jesus needs focus. The minute that we lose focus, we begin to drown. That's actually what it meant. When Jesus went down, the word is he was drowning. The minute that we lose our why, the reason why we are doing the thing we're doing, the, the moment we lose vision for our life, the moment we take our eyes off Jesus Christ, we begin to drown. We begin to be succumbed to the water. Peter's focus shifted from Jesus' ability to the weather's ability. The weather had more ability than Jesus' ability for him in that moment. And Jesus says to him, Peter, such little faith. But I think he said it with a smile. It wasn't, you have little faith. Peter, you were doing so great. He wasn't talking about the amount of faith he had. He was talking about the length of faith that he had. Peter, you were doing so great, but why did you doubt right at the end? See, Peter actually had faith because he got out of the boat and he walked on water. The issue was that he began to doubt. He began to doubt in the ability of Jesus because he was watching the weather. Reminds me of this verse in James, James 1, 6 to 8. It says, the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Did you hear that? It says that in your Bible. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. That's about focus. Do you believe in the ability of Jesus Christ or do you believe in the ability of the storm? You know, if you watch the weather, anything has the power to change your mind about anything. 
Opinions will change your mind. Oh, does God even exist anymore? Where is he in this situation? And all of a sudden you've taken your eyes off Jesus and now you're asking the question, does Jesus exist? I don't even know. Maybe, you know, it's about your job. The minute you take your eyes off Jesus Christ, then you start hearing the rumours. Oh, we don't get paid as much as the people at the job down the road that are doing the same thing as we are and they're working less hours than I'm working. And so all of a sudden we're doubting whether we're in the right place at the right time. Our faith needs to have focus and we can only have that when we say, Jesus, tell me to come. Come on, why don't you say it right now? Jesus, tell me to come. Okay, I need to finish because we're out of time. Let's quickly go to verse 32. They climb in the boat. The wind dies down. I want to talk about this verse, Mark 6, 51. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. Why are they talking about bread? In the middle of a story about Peter walking on water, why are they talking about loaves? Why? What is going on here? They're talking about bread because they just had the feeding of the 5,000, the five loaves and the two fish. Um, And it says that the disciples said to Jesus, oh, they're hungry. We should send them away. And Jesus said, don't send them away. That's ridiculous. Send them to me. And then he blesses the bread and he multiplies it and he feeds them. But this is what he was trying to teach the disciples and the people in this story. He was trying to teach them that he didn't come to give them bread. He came to be bread. He was trying to teach them that he is the bread of life, that he would always sustain them, that they would always have life found in him. And the disciples missed this. They thought that he just came to provide their needs. And the people who got fed thought that too because the story goes on that they met him on the other side. Hey, do that bread trick again. Do that bread thing again, Jesus. We're hungry again. They missed the point that Jesus actually wanted to be the bread. This is the greater lesson. Yes, he provides for us. That's part of who he is. But the greater lesson was this, that he came into the world to change your needs and desires so that he is the one thing that you hunger for every single day of your life. He wants to be the bread. He wants to sustain you. He wants to fill you. He wants to be the bread. He doesn't just want to provide for your needs. He wants to be your treasure, your precious treasure, the sustainer of your life. And we have to be careful, Oasis Church, that we're not just after the provision, but we're after the man. We're after Jesus Christ. We're after our treasure. That when he steps into our boats, peace comes. When he steps into our boat in the middle of the storm, that peace which surpasses understanding, peace which surpasses circumstances, 
overcomes us and we can go through any storm when Jesus is our bread, when Jesus is in our boat. And he was trying to show them, hey, there's 12 baskets of bread left over. There's more than enough for everybody. 12 means God's completeness, God's wholeness. Jesus was trying to tell them this bread is for everybody. Who would say, Jesus, tell me to come? It's for everybody. And that's evidence because the very next scripture says when they'd crossed over the other side of the lake, people brought all their sick to him and begged Jesus to heal them. And it said that all who touched it were healed. And you know what? There's always someone waiting on the other side of your storm. The revelation that they got on that boat, who Jesus Christ revealed himself to be on that boat will sustain people on the other side of your storm who are far, far from God. You carry the bread. You carry Jesus Christ on the inside of you. And after your storm, you'll find yourself in a place with people who are far from God. And you will feed them the bread of life because of the revelation of God that you got in the middle of your storm. Can I hear an amen? Come on, let's pray.